0: You want to pull that door shut? Yeah. Let's pray together. We're going to move quicker through the word than than usual and do some other fun stuff together. Father, we cannot see what's plain before our eyes because of our sin until you open our eyes to see. And then when we can see, there it was before us. In creation, in scripture, in our consciences, the grace of God and the gospel. I pray that you would cause tens of thousands to believe the gospel today, in this city, in this state, in this world, for the glory of your son. We are under no false pretenses that we can understand spiritual things without the grace of the Spirit being with us. So I pray that you be with us as we gather, Father, in your Son's name to delight in his work together, to sit under your word. Amen. Love being with you on Easter Sunday. This is a very complicated Sunday for a pastor and a preacher. Here's why. On the one hand, you would imagine everyone that you are preaching to has come with hearts that are ready to To worship the Father and the Son and the Spirit rightly. And this should be the day of all the days when, when your soul can get there. This is the day that we will celebrate forever. The day that Christ rose in victory from the dead, throwing open the doors of eternal life to his people. On the other hand, there's a bunch of things that get in the way of you being able to celebrate Jesus Rightly, I've been thinking on these before I dare to speak to you. One of those is that when we gather on Easter Sunday, or as we call it, Empty Tomb Sunday, we are calling you to celebrate with us a miracle, and not a spiritual miracle. I have read so many, too many liberal authors who say, well, Jesus is risen in our hearts. That is not what today is about. Today is about a surprising, unexpected, nature-defying, corpse-resurrecting miracle that cannot be explained without divine, supernatural God intervention. That's what Easter is about. You are late modern, highly sophisticated, very educated American Bostonians. And so to set your heart to actually revel in that is very difficult. We'll come, we'll sing the songs, but a little bit of us tends to be embarrassed at this tenant, this confession of our faith that Jesus walked out of a tomb. Do not be like that today. Jesus really lived and really died and really rose again and really lives. And because of that, you can live and I can. Can live. Don't miss that this morning. All right, second hurdle to right worship on Easter with us is this. On Easter, you look good. You should see some of yourselves right now. Dudes have shaved that I have known for years who I have never seen. Shaved. You are fancy and you are smiley and you are cleaned up. And if you're not careful, you can fool yourself into thinking that how you look on the outside. It is a picture of how you look on the inside, where we can't see, but God can and does. And in this, you might miss, which is absolutely central to the enjoyment of Easter Sunday. And that is that without Jesus and his gospel, you are not pretty and put together and clean. You are a much, much, much worse sinner than you ever imagined yourself to be. And it is only those who have come to see that truth beyond the prettiness. Look at this shirt. It's got white. Dug this one out of the closet. This can hide the desperateness, the sinfulness, the mess that you have made of your supposed to be beautifully clean and holy and God-honoring life. Only those who see that can revel rightly in the atoning sacrifice of the cross and the astonishing resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So you have to come with that attitude today and say, yes, Macy's was having a sale and my threads look pretty nice because it's Easter and I got dinner later with the family. But inside, I needed and need a bloody cross, and an empty tomb. If you don't get there, you will not worship rightly this morning. The third hurdle is this. On Easter, things can get a little bit formal. I couldn't quite get there this morning. I tried. Grace said, don't wear slacks. Just wear your jeans. Uh, All right. Uh, Some of you come up into the joint on this day, like any other day, a little bit formal. I actually saw some ties up in the house, which is absolutely fine. Unless it's a skinny tie or a tie with Bugs Bunny on it or the piano keys. Have you seen that? If you're wearing that, you can remove it. Ties are fine. Dresses, hats are great. Unless being dignified, being in a little bit of a fancy-looking New England church sanctuary causes you to hesitate from responding with the affections and the gladness that this day deserves why is it that we can get so excited over a no-name scrub point guard from ohio state making a jump shot or some no-name singer from somewhere far away hitting the high note on the voice but we cannot we just can't let ourselves get excited about the tomb being empty and the son of god winning victory for us for eternity it's very strange Think of the crowds on Palm Sunday, the day that their king finally arrived in their city. I'm sorry, but they got a little bit emotional on that day. And they took off their coats and threw them on the ground. And they lifted their hands and they shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna. And I think it was more than a couple of times that they shouted that. That is the kind of spirit with which we are supposed to come on Easter Sunday morning when Jesus the risen king is among us by his spirit don't let your easter fanciness put you into dignified mode and cause you to miss the celebration that we're supposed to have right so we're going to do some fun stuff later in the service i want your heart to be there with us today's one of the days when the sermon is supposed to be shorter than it usually is and that's because we're going to take some time to baptize new believers and call into membership of the life of this particular church some new members. As on most Baptism Sundays, we try to center on a specific theme, a phrase for you to just lock on to that's another way of looking at the gospel. Today, it is this. I belong to Jesus. That is the great heart cry of everyone that has been rescued by the grace of the Father. If we could put it on t-shirts, it would probably not fit, but it would say something like, impossibly, unexpectedly, undeservedly, eternally, marvelously, I belong to Jesus. Perhaps nowhere is that phrase, that idea, captured more beautifully than in the first question of something called the Heidelberg Catechism. Unlike the Westminster that begins with glory, which is a good place to start, the Heidelberg Catechism begins with grace. The first question is this, what is your only hope in life and death? And here's the answer. That I am not my own, but I belong, body and soul, in life and death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. That is a beautiful way to start a catechism. That's a, a beautiful place to ground your life. What is my only comfort in life and in the death that is coming for me? Here it is. I belong to Jesus. All right, now question. How does a sinner actually get there? How does a sinner ever get to a place where they can with confidence and resolve and certainty actually say these words? No, no, no. I belong to Jesus. How do we get there? Well, in a sense, all of the scriptures that you have been reflecting on and reading and thinking on in Lent and Holy Week are the answer to that question. At the back end of the Gospels, last week of his life, Jesus, who entered history, was making a way for sinners, all of us, to be able to say, I belong to Jesus. Jesus was making it possible For him to say, you belong to me. That's where this truth starts. It does not start with your good works. It does not start with your good intentions. It does not start with you at all. It starts with the work of Jesus for you. Ephesians says it like this, very helpful. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. Dead there means spiritually dead, kind of like zombie dead. How many zombie movies have come out recently? There's a reason for that. I could preach on that. Maybe I will. You know how a zombie is dead, but they're not dead. They're walking around. I don't know if they're breathing or what's going on with the zombie, but they're dead, but they're moving. That is you. Some of you right now, you're you're alive, you're breathing and living and sinning, but you are spiritually dead. All of us start there from conception, from the womb unable to make a step toward belonging to Jesus because we're dead. And dead people cannot spiritually move toward God, not even an inch dead. And yet somehow, in His grace, the Father makes us alive. Jesus, in obedience to the Father, stepped toward us in the gospel and has done everything necessary to be able to say to us, live your mind. You belong to me. Jesus lived the life we were supposed to live. Jesus died the death we were supposed to die in our place for our sins. Jesus gave us his righteousness, justifying us in his resurrection. Jesus has given us his spirit by which we cry out, Abba, Father, new sons and daughters of the family belonging to Jesus. Why? His work. For us. Mark says it like this in his gospel. The son of man came to give his life as a ransom for many. You hear that? What's a ransom? I pay a price. and I get belongs back with me. John says it like this. Jesus prayed. I have made you known to the people that you gave me out of the world. You hear that? From eternity, the Father has given men and women a people to the Son. We belong to Him. Paul says it like this. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. You hear that? Jesus Christ shedding His blood to purchase you. Steep price. The worst sin that has ever been committed in the history of sins is what made you Christ. In the gospel, Jesus is able to say to the sinner, you belong to me now. You belong to me. All right, now how in a sinner's life does that promise, that truth, that gospel, that good news move from potentiality sitting there to reality changing a life? Well, it happens when we hear and we repent and we believe. And who is it that works hard with all of the resources available to her to see those things, repenting and believing happening in the souls of sinners? Who is that? The answer to that question is what we've been preaching on together for months now. That is the mission of of the church of Jesus. The Father and the Son sent the Spirit to empower the church to call sinners to repentance and faith and belonging. There's a thousand different ways Jesus could have gotten his work of moving you from dead to alive and from outside to inside, from not belonging to belonging, and he has chosen to do it through the instrument, the mission, the work of The church. We could see this a bunch of different ways in Scripture. I'm just going to give you a couple of verses from Matthew that will help you feel, feel this this morning. Early on in Matthew's Gospel, we read these words. Jesus called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out to heal every disease and every affliction. These twelve, Jesus sent out, instructing them, "Go." Right, you got to hear what's going on here. Very early in the ministry of Jesus, he is investing authority in this little community of men, apostles, sent ones, to go preach his gospel, to do his work, to announce the coming of his kingdom these men would become what Paul would call the foundation stones of the church. Jesus is the cornerstone, and on the ministry of the prophets and the apostles is built Seven Mile Road and every faithful church. They are like this little seed team that would get things started, and this little seed team would one day blossom into the global church of Jesus. And Jesus is looking at them and setting this precedent. Here's how the gospel is going to go. You are going to go. I am giving you authority. Later in Matthew chapter 16, when Peter, by the grace of the Spirit, on behalf of all of the other disciples, apostles, makes his great confession that whoa. Jesus of Nazareth is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, the King. Here's how Jesus answers him and the rest of the apostles. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, and I tell you that you are Peter, little rock, and upon this rock, your confession, this truth, who I am, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And then this, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind or lock or shut on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose or open on earth shall be opened in heaven. Okay, what's going on there? Jesus is saying to this, little fetal baby church that he is forming, your voice, your work, your ministry is going to be the means by which sinners enter the kingdom of God. You know how a key opens a door? Just a beautiful, simple metaphor. The apostles would open the door of the kingdom of God to sinners. At the end of John, Jesus says it like this. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Investing in them the authority to announce the gospel to be received and to recognize when it's been rejected. Where does Jesus invest that authority and infuse that mission? Into his church. And then, of course, in Matthew 28 at the end, the Great Commission At this point, Christ has died, and Christ is risen, and the gospel has been accomplished. And Jesus is talking one last time with his apostles, and he says these words. All authority, there it is again, in heaven and earth has been given to me, and so go in my name, representing me, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. All right, so if you somehow missed those seven minutes of systematic theology, here's the big idea. Jesus has invested the church with the authority, the right, the mission to make his gospel known in the world. All right, last question. How does the church carry on, carry out that mission. Two ways. Both of them are beautifully embedded in the text that we've read together today. Teaching and baptizing. If you want me to get fancy, I will say, word and sacrament. The means of grace. Now, I know that we live in a very crazy day and there are a kabillion other activities that have been pushed forward as what needs to be central in the life of a church. The list is very long. Running daycares has become one of those things. There's others. We have nothing wrong with daycares until it supplants what I'm about to talk to you about today. We have veered so far off course from what Jesus intended, from what Jesus commanded to be primary and central. As Jesus' church, we are to call sinners into the kingdom of God by wielding the two means of grace, word and sacrament, like a beautiful one-two punch, word and sacrament, word and sacrament, word and sacrament. Let's talk about these two using our theme language for the day before we move to them first call of the church is to say to sinners word, you can belong to Jesus. Okay, that statement right there is the most amazing sentence that could ever be spoken ever in the history of the universe. You can belong to Jesus. Our job is to say those words to the world. Remember that the Father always works through words. Think of creation. Let there be light. Boom, there is light. His words. Same way in new creation. Let there be life. The Father speaks that by the Spirit. And there is life. This is why the first church members were called the apostles. What's an apostle? Someone sent with a message to announce a decree to say, to speak. This is why on the day of Pentecost, Peter did what I'm doing right now, yelled at people out loud words about Jesus. This is why the Holy Spirit gave them a supernatural gift of tongues to speak in other languages so that people could hear the gospel going out. This is why the early church devoted themselves to the apostles teaching. This is why Paul told Timothy, the things that I have said to you, teach them to other men that they may teach others. God always works through the Word. The church is a creature of the Word who announces the Word. If you didn't know, this is why we're always talking here. It's not just that I was given my father's personality in the womb. It's that God works through words. So we preach and we gospel each other over and over and over Again, it's why when I'm in your living room, I struggle to listen to you the best that I can. And then the night always ends with me just talking for like 20 minutes. God works through the word faith with his entrance, which is entrance into the kingdom of God, comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This is why every faithful, orthodox, true church is what? It's a word centered community. Find a church that loves Jesus, the Word in the flesh. Find a church that loves the words of Scripture, every one of them infallible, inerrant, inspired, helpful, and true. Find a church that loves to announce the Gospel to each other over and over and over again, and you will have found a really good church. The church is called to the ministry of the Word. Sinner, hear us. You can belong to Jesus. Then there's a second means of grace that has been given to the church. It's this other role that the church has, not only to be the prophet to the people and to the world. You can belong to Jesus. That's one. The second is this. You've got to feel this this morning. The church gets to announce To those who have believed the gospel to be true. To those who have been miraculously, spiritually resurrected from the dead. To those who have repented of their sin. To those whose affections have changed from the ridiculousness of this world to the glory of God. To those who are fighting tooth and nail day and night to put away sin from their life. Those who are taking hold of heaven. To them, to the saints, the church gets to say this. You do belong to Jesus. You do belong to Jesus. That means of grace through which the church does that is called the sacraments. The word comes from Latin, sacramentum, which has the connotations of a pledge or an oath or a promise. The sacraments are Jesus' way of affirming that we belong to him. I'll give you one killer sentence from Michael Horton's book. It says this, So great is God's love and care for his people that he not only calls them into fellowship, belonging with his Son, by the word, he assures them of his good will, binding himself to them and them to himself through the sacraments that he has personally instituted. <laughs> there it is. The church administers the sacraments to her people. The simple Beautiful, tangible signs and seals. And here's what they say. Yes, you do belong to Jesus. We call these ordinances of the church. Fancy language. Here's why. One, Jesus ordered or ordained that we do them. And two, again, Jesus gave the the right, the authority to administer them to his apostles and by extension to his church. One of these sacraments is baptism. We already heard that embedded in the text that we've read. It's right there in the Great Commission itself, isn't it? I command you to go make disciples, baptize them. And so that's what we do. When someone hears the word and, and comes alive and comes to repentance and faith, what do we do? We get the church together. We get the pastors of the church, the authorities that Jesus has given us as a congregation, and we sacrament them. We baptize them in water. What are we saying when we baptize someone in water? It's amazing. You do belong to Jesus. And the second sacrament is Jesus' table instituted personally in love by Jesus when he was eating his last meal with who? With his apostles, his baby church. Baptism is the one-time sacrament, one-shot deal. For the rest of our lives, we get to look back to the tub or the sprinkling or however it was that you got wet And look at that baptism and say to the world and the flesh and the devil, I will not believe your lies. Look, I belong to Jesus. I've been baptized into his death and his resurrection. But that's not the only sacrament that Jesus gave us because he knows that we are weak and he knows that we need to be affirmed in that over and over and over in real time throughout our lives. And so Jesus gave us an ongoing means of grace, it's a standing invitation to his table, to gather together as his people, to share a meal with him, to eat bread and drink cup and remember the great salvation that he has worked for us. And every time a pastor, an ecclesiastical authority, an under-shepherd to Jesus, at the gathering of the saints, invites you to come Take the bread, take the cup, remember Jesus, receive his grace. Do you know what that pastor is saying to you over and over and over again every week of your life? You do belong to Jesus. You still belong to Jesus. You will always belong to Jesus. This is why we take church membership so dead seriously in the life of this little church. This is why we're so excited to be calling some new members into the life of the church. This is why we sit with folks. and We say, tell us your story. Help us know that you understand the gospel, that you've believed it. We ask questions so that we can affirm in you, yes, you belong to Jesus. This is why we write up on the screen before you come down, If you have believed the gospel, been baptized into Christ, come and eat. Coming down to this instituted sacrament of grace is not a joke. This is serious. This bread represents the brutally murdered flesh of Jesus because of your sins. This cup represents the blood of Christ, perfectly innocent and righteous, unjustly shed Because of your sin. This meal is for those who have said, yes, I know and I believe that God's grace was at work on the cross. And I have repented of my sin and received forgiveness there. If you have, this meal becomes precious to you. Week after week after week, Jesus by his spirit stands here and feeds you and says, you do belong to me. These are the things, primarily, that are the mission of the church. And so these are the things, primarily, that we try to be about as Seven Mile Road. That's why we're so thrilled today. By the Father's grace, Crystal has come to believe. And so, what do we do? We will administer the sacrament of baptism on her. What are we saying when we do this? As Jesus' official representatives with apostolic authority, as of the church, Crystal, we are affirming that the gospel is true and that you have believed it and your sins are forgiven. Door open. Heaven is yours. The kingdom of God. Come. You belong to Jesus. That's what we get to do today. And then we will invite Crystal and other new members of our church and current members of our church and any of you who are visiting, who are running with the church and have been baptized into the grace of God to come down to the table. And as we open this table to you, we're saying the same thing. The gospel is true. Jesus' body and blood broken and shed for you, you still belong to Jesus. No other institution on earth. Please hear me. None. Not your family. Not your school. Not the government. Not your running club. Not the Y. Not the Elks or the Masons or the VFW. Not the Girl Scouts or the Boy Scouts not into Varsity or Campus Crusade, not Salem State, not Gordon College, no other institution in the world gets to say to you, with Jesus' authority, you belong to Jesus. But your church gets to. And we love to. And we long to. As surely as you got wet in baptism, as surely as you will be crunching some crackers and Drinking from the cup. That's how surely you belong to Jesus. All right, and So I ask you this morning, can you say with a clear conscience and solid confidence, it's amazing, but I belong to Jesus. Have you repented and believed the gospel to be true? It would be our delight to open the door to heaven to you this morning if you have not repented and believed and been baptized. So Crystal will be coming down to the waters. By faith, I brought four other changes of clothes. It's all double extra large, though, so that may be a little bit awkward. If you are here today and you have never been baptized into Christ, what are you doing? What are you doing? Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ has sent me to announce to you, you can belong to Jesus. By God's grace, by the leading of the Spirit, the response is to say, I'm in. I want in. I want to enter the kingdom of heaven. It would be our delight to invite you into the waters of baptism today and to sign and seal you as belonging to Jesus. And if you have believed the gospel, celebrate with us as we baptize and as we come down to Jesus' table, marvel with us that you do belong to Jesus. All right, here's how this is going to roll from here toward the end of the service and you're not leaving until at least 1140 because we've got some stuff to do. We are first now going to invite up any of you who are stepping into membership in the life of the church. It's an important thing to formally do that. So we see you, and you see us, and they see you, and everyone sees each other. And and we are saying, these folks belong to Jesus. Can you believe that? And we're going to care for their souls in that process. So that's what we're going to do first. After we do that, I'll be calling Crystal forward, and anyone else who is in this room, who is responding to this announcement of the gospel. Read through the book of the Acts, and there's no real delay there. They say, what should we do? They say, be baptized right now today. Let's get some water. That's our spirit and heart for you today. I got a couple of Red Sox t-shirts and some, some bathing suits back there. We can get you. It's worth it. You're going to heaven with Christ for eternity. You can get your hair or makeup or whatever, a little bit goofy this morning, we can welcome you into the kingdom of God. If it's just Crystal, that is enough. Please don't forget that the heavens rejoice. Angels don't know what to do with this unexpected truth that Christ, for his glory, saves, sanctifies, beautifies sinners. And so after the membership call, you'll stand. We're going to sing. Crystal will come. Anyone else who needs to be, wants to be, is ready to be baptized can come. We'll take them out here and we'll get them wet. We'll baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit and just shout, you belong to Jesus. And then we're going to keep singing and we're going to feast and we're going to eat the bread and the cup and then we're going to keep singing and singing and singing and give glory to Jesus. All right, if you are one of those who are stepping into membership in the life of the church, I belong to Jesus and he has given me this church to affirm me in that, will you come down to the front? So that we can see you and you can see us and we can know who is receiving this grace. I think this bad boy can start to get out of the way too. To all of you, we say you have been baptized into Christ. You belong To him. You do. You still do. You will tomorrow, the next day, forever. That's the promise of the gospel, not because of how good you're going to be, but because of what Christ has done for you. It is our immense joy in the fear of God and the love of you and your families to welcome you into the body of Christ that's gathered here to run with us on mission for Jesus. This is family. This is family. Christ binds our hearts together. And so we're just going to take a minute to receive them in prayer with that charge. Will you do that with me? Let me slide in here. Father, I pray. I pray that this little place would not miss the grace of God. Uh, All these things will make perfect, clear sense to us when we see in the light of heaven how you have ransomed sinners. You've bought us with a steep price. And that in your wisdom, in your grace, in your sovereignty. You make a people who are not the people of God. I I desperately need brothers and sisters who love me and pray for me and care for me and correct me. And want the best for me and affirm in me that I belong to Jesus. So I pray that we would submit to each other in that. That we would all gladly receive the authority of our pastors to affirm in us you. You belong to Jesus. And I pray that you would multiply and multiply and multiply the numbers of those who are yours in these cities, in Boston, in our time that's worth our money and our life and our tears and our energy. And I pray that you would do it, that our joy may be full, filled up in you. Hear my prayer for that and answer, I pray. Amen. Amen. So this is the crew. If you don't know them and they don't know you, meet them. Hang out with them. Talk with them. And God's going to continue to knit us together. All right. Good? Good. If you have children downstairs, go get them. We want them up here as we celebrate baptism this morning. If you're stepping into the waters of baptism, come into the back now. We'll get you changed up and prepped and ready. Everybody else who is not being baptized and doesn't have little ones downstairs, you can stand with us. We are going to sing and celebrate rightly the grace of our God together today. All right, let's do that and repented of your sins and found life in the work of Jesus. With all the authority that he's given us, we announce to you, you belong to Jesus. He's yours. We baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.